Thank you for joining us today. My name is Brad Miller, and this is the Chronically Human Podcast. We have discussions aimed at creating a better world with more individual freedom and less unnecessary suffering. Today, I'm joined by Kelly Dunn. He is the owner of Urban Ice Organics, the fastest growing Kratom brand in the country. Kelly and I discussed the science and safety of Kratom, the current state of the Kratom industry, and the very personal reasons why he produced the documentary A Leaf of Faith. I'm very biased, and the only Kratom I use is from Urban Ice Organics. If you go to naturalorganics.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-X.com, you can use the promo code CHRONICALLYHUMAN20 to get 20% off your next order. I use Kratom every day to help manage my chronic pain. Neither one of us are doctors, and our conversation shouldn't be construed as medical advice. Thanks for listening, and let us know what you think about Kratom, and if you've been helped by what I consider a miracle plant. Thank you, Kelly, for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Excellent. Well, uh, I just want to say thank you for the company that you've created and all that you've done for the Kratom community. And in particular, my story is that I've been chronically ill for 30 years. And at age 11, I had ulcerative colitis. And then I, uh, at age 12, had my colon removed. From then, I had 20 surgeries, hundreds of doctor's visits, 50 hospital stays. And so I'm well-versed with pain, chronic pain, in the way that the DEA and FDA have really gotten in between doctors and patients, which is a terrible thing in my opinion. And so I was always looking for an alternative for my chronic pain management. And at the time, this going back to like 2016, I think that's a critical time for Kratom on a regulatory um, stance and also for um, just getting the word out about Kratom. I'd done my research, but I wasn't sure which company to use because it was the Wild West out there. And, oh, <laughs> and Chris Bell, Chris Bell, the documentary filmmaker, Prescription Thugs, Bigger, Stronger, Faster, he was on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. And I can still remember him talking about Kratom on there and giving Joe two of your capsules. And during that podcast, I looked up Urban Ice Organics because I wanted to know what he used and what he was recommending. And did you find, how did that affect you guys in 2016 with his appearance? And did you know Chris was going to be on the podcast? Oh, yeah, very much so. I mean, I, when you go back a couple of years, uh, my wife and I were actually watching Prescription Thugs a couple of years ago. And I have mutual friends with Chris. So I know of Chris. We, we, hadn't, we didn't know each other at the time, but we had some real close mutual friends. Uh, Matt Weiss, Horseshoe, was one of the guys. Um, and so... As we're watching Prescription Thugs, Liz and I are literally in tears watching this, thinking, damn, we, we have something that could have made a difference in somebody that we know. You know, their life is so close to us, and we're, you know, we're, not, we're not doing all the stuff that we're supposed to do. You know, and it got, got kind of frustrating a couple of years ago, I think it was 2015, when we went down to the, um, I think it was Georgia that was having a congressional hearing on, they were trying to ban Kratom. We put together a big coalition. I had a couple doctors with me, took a bunch of people down there. We spent almost $50,000 going down there to present all our information uh, to the congressional hearing. A lot of other people showed up too. And it was kind of run at the time by the BEA, which I was a part of that at the time also. But it was, um, it turned out that all the efforts that I put forth, everything that I brought down there, we couldn't, nothing got presented. And so it was all in vain, and, and we're like, wow, this, we got to find a better way to present our side of the story here. 
you know, because I was a total loss. And so that's when we kind of came up with the idea, maybe we should do a documentary. Fast forward a little bit, Liz and I are watching Prescription Thugs, and we're like, Chris Bell's our guy. Let's get Chris Bell on this. And so that, that became a mission, really, for us to meet Chris Bell, introduce him to Kratom, and recruit him for this movie. Fantastic. Yeah, that, that's, that documentary, A Leaf of Faith, is really so powerful because it really talked, um, it talked about the science, it talked about the anecdotal evidence, which, you know, the FDA totally discounts. But personally, I take a lot of stock in those. You know, my experience as an individual is what I care about. And so I care about the experiences of others as well. But you guys did a great job of showing not only the, um, the personal side, but also the scientific side as well. So it's been really awesome because during the, during the process of the film, you know, we got involved with the University of Florida and Dr. McCurdy and all that. And it was just been an, just been an awesome experience the whole, the whole way. Now, what so the, what's the response been with the leaf of faith? Do you think that's influenced a lot of the, the policymakers out there? Do you think that they're watching it? Because I know I've recommended it to several of the representatives because I'm in Georgia as well. So I appreciate you coming down in 2015 um, because I, Recently, uh, last year in 2018, the Georgia Kratom Safety Committee met, and I actually spoke in front of one of those meetings, and um, I talked to one of the reps, and he was very interested in the leaf of faith and learning more about Kratom, and, you know, they basically told me after the meeting, we're not going to ban it. You know, that was the take. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, and do you think a leaf of faith has had a huge impact not only on the public, but politicians as well? I think it needs to open the door for the conversation that, look, there's so much information about this. We can't deny that this has a ton of potential. There's so much anecdotal evidence. There's so much scientific upside to this, and we're not seeing any downside. You know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable to me that Scott Gottlieb ever mentioned Kratom by name. That's crazy to me. That's a great point because here on the Chronically Human podcast, we, we don't shy away from conspiracies because I think they happen every day. And, it's, and that's a perfect example of anybody who doesn't believe conspiracies occur, that the FDA, the way they handled Kratom under Scott Gottlieb's um, administration is absolutely a textbook in bureaucratic ignorance and arrogance. And maybe it's not him working with the pharmaceutical companies. Maybe it's him just trying to expand his world and who knows where he's going to end up later on. But it is, yeah. it was really devastating to the Kratom community and cost, you know, the AKA is spending, I don't know how much money trying to lobby now all around the country. Well, one of the things that when we bring up conspiracy, so right. last, last year, um, you know, I'm really tied with the AKA and support everything they do. Last year we went up to the Orrin Hatch Golf Foundation. So um, Orrin Hatch was, um, you know, leaving office and they were trying to put Mitt Romney into his seat. So we went up there and supported the Orrin Hatch Foundation, played in the golf tournament and had access to all these politicians. <clears throat> Mac Haddow from the AKA is a tremendous asset, unbelievable asset to Kratom to all of us. I mean, he's, he's an unbelievable, unbelievably good man. You know, I, I really like Mac, Dave Herman, great dudes, but they introduced us to a lot of these, a lot of these politicians that some of them were on the fence some just didn't know, but the overall consensus was they want to get ahead of anything that could be bad. Hmm. So we didn't really see the conspiracy side as much as it was. These guys are just real conservative, you know, older guys like, shit, we don't need something that kids are going to, or that anyone's going to take that has a possibility of messing you up. You know, we can't have anything like that. So it, 
It really seemed like it was a bunch of good old boys trying to get ahead of a movement that possibly had some danger. Okay, I got you. That's that's good to know. Conspiracy side at all, honestly. Yeah, I got you. I can I can see that definitely. Now with Orrin Hatch, he was big with the uh, was he big with the supplements and keeping? Yeah, oh yeah, he he wrote the Deshay Act. Right, (laughs) sponsored it. Exactly. So when when we were up there, we were up there with you know the CEO of Pfizer and all these big wigs. I mean, a ton of really big guys um, that knew nothing about kratom, had no interest in it really. You know, so it was, it was we were expecting more of a conspiracy and everyone to kind of know about it, but so they were uninterested. It's more of um, they're just trying to be risk averse, basically, and you know they, they would rather just avoid something than to learn more about it and really find. And I think, it, like you talked about, it's our job, you know, those who believe in this product, to to get the word out and to educate folks. And so I appreciate yes. your time being on, you know, and what you guys are doing with that. Now, you mentioned AKA, American Kratom Association. When did you get involved with them? Because I've never met, like, I've been in the freedom movement, libertarianism for over 10 years, and I've never seen a more focused, professional, or um, effective lobbying group ever. I mean, they're the, the the best that I've seen. When did you get involved with them? Well, I, I was involved with them way back in the beginning when they first formed, when Susan Ash first formed the AKA and got involved. Um, I wasn't very keen on their stance. You know, I didn't like the idea that they were supporting all Kratom vendors and anyone who sold Kratom. You know, they wanted to support Kratom in general, which at that time, this was five years ago, six years ago, we knew at that time we need to draw a line in the sand. We need to make sure that we're protecting the consumers if we want this to continue. You know, it's such a lucrative, good business. Why wouldn't we all take the steps to make sure we can stay in this business? It's just so bizarre. So we got involved with her back then. Um, but then when she got into some issues and had some political problems and then uh, brought in Dave Herman, um, I met Dave Herman right off the bat. And, you know, it's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a funny thing because Dave Herman's – one of Dave Herman's good friends is Stephen, Dr. Stephen Cutler, who was also Dr. McCurdy's mentor in college and pharmacy school. And so there was, there was a, you know, we had a 20-year mutual friend connection. So we had all of this, all of this background together when we didn't even really know each other yet. Well, that's great. But yeah. Dave Herman, Matt Caddow, incredible integrity on those guys. You know, I can't say there's, I can't say there's any other two people in this industry that I honestly trust. Wow. And that's, and I think trust is so important because when I was at the, um, the meeting, uh, for the Kratom safety committee for the Georgia legislature, you know, the way that the AKA handled that meeting, and we actually had a pre-meeting beforehand, which I thought was very effective is that you can get, because I think, especially with the Ohio situation with the board of pharmacy, I wanted to get your take on that. Do you think a lot of that had to do with some of the really negative responses or the personal attacks that some of the people um, emailed the Board of Pharmacy? Do you think that helped to sway them towards uh, recommending the Schedule One of Kratom? I, I have a hard time with that because because of the school, you know, and, and we have some contacts at the universe or the Board of Pharmacy over there, and just the idea that scientists deny science. Right. And boggles my mind. How can how can you not look at that that pile of anecdotal evidence and say there's so much there? 
You know, we, we've got to look at it. Nobody has a problem looking at the CBD stuff. <laughs> exactly. And that's a great point is that I think Kratom and CBD um, are a lot of people. I think what's going to happen is we're going to look back on the last 50 years as a real epidemic of chronic illness and chronic pain that we've replaced the plagues that, you know, that was, that, that mankind had, had to deal with, like smallpox and the bubonic plague forever. We've gotten rid of those, but we've replaced those with autoimmune issues, inflammatory issues, and chronic pain. And I think Kratom and CBD together are two extremely powerful um, supplements that can help people. Uh, I know they've helped me personally. I only can speak for myself. But yeah. have you guys considered um, working in the CBD market at all? Well, because of our access, you know, again, I bring up Dr. McCurdy because we're good friends and I, I work with him a lot. But Dr. McCurdy comes from Ole Miss. And then his, um, he, Stephen Cutler, his uh, mentor is at the University of North Carolina. The two schools that have the, the only Schedule One licenses in the United States. So I have access to research and, and conversations that not many people have. And so... I'm not as big a believer as most on the CBD right now. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty skeptical about the methods that it's being delivered, and I see deception and some really bad things taking place in the market overall. Right. And I, I, there's a, it's, it's a terrible industry right now. It's in trouble. Do you it's think, in serious trouble. Do you think that they need somebody uh, like an AKA or something like that? I'm not sure with the CBD market if they do have like a – like a industry uh, type association that's doing what the AKA is doing. They've got a bunch of marijuana related ones. I don't okay. know if there's a specific CD, CBD industry or not, but th some of the problems because it's so unregulated mm -hmm. and literally, you know, if, if you know a little bit about weed, you could manufacture your own CBD in the back room. Right. I mean, it's, it's a problem. As we were looking to get into the CBD market, we're testing what what we think is going to be the best product. And we're asking these questions. We, we have about two years of research in this. And we start looking at the products that are being sold here in our Las Vegas market, because that's our test market. We start pulling them, testing them. I started doing the same thing with Facebook. We've tested, I think about 20 products right now. Three contain CBD. Wow. That's insane. That's crazy. That is insane. Yeah. And I think that that goes to the point with what uh, the American Kratom Association is doing with their good manufacturing uh, practices, yeah. that, that you guys are really trying to get ahead. And what Dave, we had Dave on the show, and he talked about that he wants consumers to regulate markets in a way. He wants the, the industry to put in place, say, this is what I'm going to do. And, and have um, you know the good practices in place. And if under, other vendors don't do that, then the consumer can really self-regulate and say, I, I would much rather have somebody doing it the right way. Well, that, that was the basis of the AKA back five, six, seven years ago when they formed it, was the idea that this is gonna be a consumer-based protection. You know, we're gonna support the consumers. The problem is, to be able to support consumers, you need money. <laughs> right. And the people that are providing the money weren't doing things right. And right. so the AKA really couldn't take a stance on that at the time because there weren't enough people that were doing it right to provide the money for the support. And so you know, kind of had to just suck it up for a while and deal with everybody. Exactly. Yeah, to, it was a really a nascent industry. And I think a lot of that had to do with the crackdown. Um, personally, my opinion is the crackdown on the pain pill industry, you know, with, with that 
issue with chronic pain patients and then other people with addiction issues, you know, looking for something to help with, with those issues. I personally have used it uh, when I was cut off by my doctor um, after, you know, years and years of chronic pain management because of the regulatory environment. You know, I used uh, Kratom products to help alleviate 95% of uh, withdrawal symptoms. So anecdotally, I, I, I know it worked for me. And to think well, that, that people are, are keeping that away from others, like you talked about when you watch prescription thugs, it, uh, it can be uh, frustrating. Well, the, the biggest problem that Kratom has, it's, it's unbelievably effective. Right. You know, that's the big problem. It works. It works for so many things and helps so many, so many ailments and fills in so many potholes, if you will. I mean, it's just such a crazy substance that it's, it's you know, I always I hate hate to put it out, but I always call it the perfect human medicine. You know, it, it just it's it's not too strong, and it's just this perfect accompaniment to our human condition, in my opinion. I think so too. I think you there's a lot to that because I I'm, I personally like the whole leaf um, yes powder to make tea or take capsules. Personally, that's that's how I consume it, and I think that there's alkaloids in there that haven't even been really discovered in some of these different like remote areas in the jungle that I think we're going to find some amazing benefits for, and that the alkaloids that they have found I think they work together synergistically in different Absolutely. ways. That it's like the, it's like whole cannabis versus you know just pure THC. I think there's there's definitely value in taking the whole plant. Same thing with the CBD, where they where we know that the CBD research that's been done, anytime that CBDs are effective, it's with THC. Wow, how about that? Well, that's very interesting. That there is a synergistic effect. I think we have a tendency to break things out and to uh, take one thing out and say this is the cure. You know. Instead, that nature is provided. We, we are natural creatures. We evolve just like everything else in this world. And I think we should celebrate when we find a plant like Kratom. It should be celebrated instead of demonized like the FDA did. And the news stories, like I was a, I was a victim of fake news. I didn't, never thought that would happen. You know, there's a local news story about my little blurb of what I spoke about, you know, at the, at the Georgia legislature deal. But the way they spin things and twist it, it's, it's really incredible. After being in the creative industry for so long, we see so many negative ads and so many negative articles that man, they just make stuff up. It yeah? is, and with the FDA, especially with the FDA, with the deaths associated with it, I think that's a very serious issue, and and uh, people should be concerned about what they're consuming. But at the same time, when the FDA puts out that 44 deaths associated with kratom. When you break down those death certificates, it's actually insane that they would even include those deaths. I'm, I'm so upset that we're so low on the information totem pole. We'll never know the truth behind that. You know, we'll never, you know, well, maybe we will in our lifetime, but we don't know if there's aliens and all this stuff. Do you want to share some stuff with us? We're, we're capable humans here. <laughs> I think the more information, the better. That's what I personally think. I think that I, agree. I was listening to, um, I think... Their names are Earth and Fire with Arrowid.org. That's a site where you know it has tons of drug information out there, yes. and mostly it's on the legal side. But um, they do talk about they do have information about kratom. That's one place I went to when I was first doing my research to read about the the different experiences. But they talked about the wisdom cycle, and that prohibition destroys the wisdom cycle. That individuals really should have the right to experiment with themselves if they choose to. And that yes. when they do that, that's what I think Kratom is really 
demonstrated is that humans will find effective things to help them if they're free to do so. Well, there, but there's also the, the, the other side of that where there's this predatory nature with humans also. Correct. You know, where if, if they find that they can take advantage of a situation, you know, they're going to do it as well. You know, we're seeing that with the CBD market, and that's, that's, the, that's the, the, the real balance here. How do we promote Kratom in the right side? And, you know, if, if we could get the consumers to say we need good, clean, Kratom tested, blah, 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 that would make the push really easy. But it's not so easy. It's not such an easy, you know, it's a more complicated problem because there are people that have financial restraints sure. that may not be able to spend a whole bunch of money for Kratom. So there needs to be that other side of the market as well. They need to have access to real inexpensive stuff as well. It's not fair to, you know, jack everything up and push it up into the direction that, that my company has pushed things. I mean, that, that's not fair for everybody. And so there's got to be there's got to be some way that we can, in, you know, envelop the whole community here and take care of everybody. And I think, but it's got true. a consumer-based push. Yeah, I, I can see that with, and that's what I think the consumer, the kratom consumer protection acts are about. Is that correct? With the what the AKA is doing on the state level is trying to get well, a, a regulatory framework involved. Exactly, trying to get something on the books where 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 our stuff is first. Now, if we're going to make adjustments to what's going on with Kratom, we're looking at our regulations and we're going to make make adjustments off that as opposed to them putting it up first. But yeah, there needs to, needs to be a framework in place. There needs to be. You know, humans don't necessarily want to be responsible by nature. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, and with a res I think with freedom comes responsibility. You know, I think those yes. are those are two sides of the same coin. Definitely. I did see that in Oregon, what they're doing, I follow, we have a lot of pay, uh, people who are chronic pain patients and are concerned about, you know, the opioid deal. And, and I think personally, people should have access to both, you know, that I think that uh, pain pills are good uh, for me personally, for anything that's above like moderate pain, but anything mild to moderate, I can handle with Kratom. Uh, but in Oregon, they're trying to force taper off everybody who's on Medicaid, totally off of pain pills. And I thought something was interesting that the Oregon Kratom, I don't know if you know them or not, I've never no. dealt with them or anything, but they were giving away um, a discount of 35% for people on fixed income. And I thought that's, that's a way for the free market, you know, voluntary charity to handle some of those issues that might come up for folks who might not have access to it because of financial needs. Well, listen, if we get, if we get 10 or 12 companies that are all doing things right, why don't we all kick in, you know, 500 kilos a month to this, to a pool where we can divvy it up to the people that can't afford it. I'm, I'm in. Right. That's, you know, that's great. That's let, great. Let, let's run some charity here with this. I mean, we can afford to do that. Yep. And I, I've been thinking a lot about that because I think that, you know, with Kratom, for me personally, I use the, the red vein for pain. And I wanted to talk to you about strains as well because I found differences. <laughs> I found huge differences personally. Maybe it's all mental. I don't know. But I took a green melee one night, and I, I didn't sleep for like 24 hours. I couldn't sleep at all with it. But if I take red vein, then, you know, it's more relaxing and sleeping. What are your thoughts? I know you guys have put out some information about the science, about the alkaloid content being pretty much the same across the board. Do you think it's more to do with internally, like the differences between individuals maybe? Or do you think there maybe are some things that aren't being picked up yet on the tests? Could be combinations of both. I mean, could we, could we, you know, we don't know. Right. Um, we know, we know there are no, we know there are no strains. 
There just are not strains. There are no genetic differences between what we're calling a red vein, green vein. White vein doesn't even exist. Get it out of your head. It's okay. gone. Now, growing regions and where a plant is grown, it's, it's, it's growing climate can absolutely have an impact on its potency and all the stuff. Okay. But we know so little about the alkaloids and what they're doing, the combinations, the ratios. We know the plants are just, it's one plant. Right. You know, and it's kind of spread out and the growing regions have changed over, you know, as, as long as a plant's been around. Um, drying differences, drying techniques. Unfortunately, we're not finding any differences there either. <laughs> wow. You know, we've, we've been growing plants and, and I've personally been funding the science so we know these things. Right. But now we have plants, you know, we have 300 identical plants that we can run drying experiments on now. So we pull some lead, we draw them one way, dry them another are there differences? We can create some color differences, but it doesn't change anything. That's that's fascinating because that's the one thing with Kratom that I think is a huge um, impediment to people getting into feeling comfortable with which ones to take. You know, that, that that is a definite issue. Now, what do you think about, you know, a lot of people when they talk about Kratom, they talk about that it's banned in actually Thailand. You know, I've done some research on the Thai market and that's, it's, what what they're trying to sell is is not correct with the way that the indigenous people use kratom because I think there's a cultural acceptance to it that's not showing up when people have that discussion. So, Southern Thailand and Malaysia absolutely have cultural kratom usage. So, yep. um, and when we're, one of the things about those countries is when you're when you're in a third world country and they have a a bunch of religious issues going on in that in that region as well. One of the things that the government is going to have a problem with is if little economies start popping up. So if you get the wrong group that starts, you know, finds out they, they can make a bunch of money selling Kratom to Americans, but maybe they're using those funds for something against the government or, you know, so they've got to be really careful about these little economies popping up and disrupting the region. Yep. I so think there's, there's, there's separatists. Other and, yep. going on too. Yeah, it's a complicated issue, and I think the war on drugs plays a part of that. Yeah, and, and originally when Thailand banned Kratom, I think it was after World War II, it's because it was eating into the opium profits because the Thai Correct. government was taxing opium, and the opium taxes were going way down because people were switching to Kratom, and they're like, they couldn't have that. We're, we're pretty well connected with um, some people at the University of Sands, Malaysia, so we're getting a lot of information out of Malaysia where it's also banned. You know, it's banned for... It's banned for export for sale and you know they say personal use but it's you know everybody uses it in Malaysia they get together in social settings people grow the trees in their yard but they're having the same thing where you know they want to keep the mini economies from from popping up so they allow a little bit of trade to take place but not much now are you seeing that with where where are the main growing regions now and do you think that eventually we're going to have it in South America or Central America or even the United States um, kratom being grown so here. So, take the the climatic zone that it's grown in, whatever you know latitude that is. Mm -hmm. All the way around the world, it's going to grow in that latitude. You know, That's so great. we know that we know it grows in the Philippines. We know that there's uh, some African strains, and so it's 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 growing all around the world. That's that's interesting. I didn't know about that. Yeah, that's great. But all, the majority of kratom coming out of Indonesia is uh, Borneo and Sumatra mainly. Oh, is that right? Are they are those yeah. mostly wild plants or are those mostly like semi-cultivated? 
it's it's much more wild because kratom grows like a weed. I mean, it is a voracious grower. And so when they come through and they harvest, they come through and they top the trees. They take the, you know, they take 10 feet off the top of these trees, pluck it, come back in six months, that tree's full again. Wow, that's that's I mean, really interesting because I wasn't aware of how they actually harvested it. It's a it's a voracious grower. You cannot stop it. Um, we had a we had a pot of just stale, nasty water. This pot of water, and so down at down at the ranch, they said, "Well, let's see how this will work." This water had been sitting for like a year. They threw a kratom plant in there, soaking the whole thing, and it's growing just fine out of this nasty, stale water. I mean, it it loves that wet environment, and if you get the right humidity and the right heat, you can't stop it. Well, it's great to know that it's a um, it's a renewable type of product that they're not cutting down the tree to harvest it. And it's not like an annual plant that it's a, you know, how long do they last? Do you know how long um, the Kratom trees will, will grow? Their trees 40 and 50 years old. Oh, wow. So we know them. I'm sure, I'm sure even older than that. That's great. That, that was really cool. How did you, now when you're, when you're looking for people to work with on the other side of the world, how do you determine who to work with? And you talked about you working with a university. Is that helping you to find the credible um, people, suppliers out there? So let me back up a little bit. And let's, let's, let's go back up to strains for a second. Sure. Because the idea of strains, <clears throat> when, you're, when you're imagining these crews that are coming down, they're coming down along the rivers, they're topping these trees, pulling them aside and plucking the leaves. I promise you there's no vein separation. <laughs> Red vein, green vein, it's all one pile. Gotcha. You know, so even if there were veins at that stage in the trees, they're all being blended and, and blended together wherever they're being harvested. There's no chance that's being separated ever. And then it's going to central processing units where they'll bring it out of the field and they'll grind it and mill it all in one place. So, I mean, pretty much the salmonella taught us that most of our kratom touches each other out there somewhere. Hmm. Well, that's a good point. You talk about the salmonella outbreak. I think that was a, a, a big scare to a lot of people, or at least it made a lot of headlines. Um, yes. Has the industry um, evolved since then? It doesn't seem like we're hearing as much about that. Or how do uh, reputable vendors like yourself take safeguards to make sure that doesn't reach the consumer? So one of the things that we that we have to take a position on that is when you're talking about importing and do we source in Indonesia? We do not. Okay. You know, I've been in the business long enough for that. I've now I have all the connections where I we only buy domestic product once it's been here and sterilized. We, we just don't need to mess around because if I spend a bunch of money, and this is the problem with everybody who imports, if they spend a bunch of money, bring a bunch of product into the United States and it tests dirty, what do they do? You're, yeah, they might sell it. <laughs> they're going to sell it. Or, they, or they're going to take a huge loss. <laughs> okay, so this is why we keep having this endless stream of pop-up vendors also. So if somebody comes in and they have a bunch of dirty kratom, they know that they can't send it out through existing channels where people are going to test, so they have to create new vendors. I got you. And that's that's one of the things. I think it's getting a little bit better. It seems like there's a few out there who've been around for a long time like yourself, but there are still these fly-by-night operations out there. You pop it up, but that's that's how the dirty kratom gets moved, you know, through the fam, family and friends network. I got gotcha. you. Now, what do you think about gas station kratom? And, you know, there's a lot of talk that came up at our um, 
the Georgia Safety Kratom Committee that they talked about, you know, people having access through gas stations. Personally, I think people should be able to buy it wherever they want to, but that was yeah. one of the pushes to regulate it there, but I don't think they're going to. What are your thoughts about that versus like a head shop or even, I'm, I think it's going to move into health food stores. I think that's the majority of where it's going to be found soon. Correct. One of the, one of the things that you have to you have to consider is that there are levels to everything. Mm -hmm. So when you look at gas stations, there are some really super nice, super strict, you know, professional gas stations, and there are some really shitty versions. Right. Well, and there's a there's a, a sliding scale that where value you know rises along the thing. Same thing with smoke shops. There are some very professional run smoke shops. I agree. There's some real shitheads. Yes. You know, so that that scale exists in every business. So I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with a gas station or a smoke shop or anywhere that does retail. I don't I don't think the nature of the business creates a problem. I think it's the shitty people that create the problems. I, I would agree with that too. If you think if if people are judged by the worst in their industry, then no no industry would exist because it doctors, right. lawyers, especially politicians, there wouldn't be any politicians, that's for sure. <laughs> well, doctors and politicians, right? Exactly. Now are you seeing um I haven't heard about or I'm not aware of a lot of doctors coming out about and talking about Kratom and I know there's a lot of issues with the with medical claims and with the idea of I think that's a um, a First Amendment issue personally I think you should be able to talk about what you want to talk about and then then if if your product doesn't do what it says then I think that there's you know the legal system should take care of that personally but I know that there, there's a lot of regulations around medical claims do you see that the FDA is really cracking down on on Kratom when it's coming into the country with medical claims on it? Or is the FDA yeah. they just hitting it, you know, at random? I'm I'm probably the bad guy in the industry where I wish they would crack down. Okay. You know, I wish they would crack down. I wish they'd send some people to jail for what they're doing, honestly. You know, I think it's tragic what's going on, the way people will use deception to sell products to people they know even. You know, it's just, I, I don't understand how people can do the stuff that they do to their fellow human beings. But there's a lot of, of dirty stuff going on. I think the, there's been a huge increase in the amount of companies that are now doing it right. Okay. But I, the other side is still there. Definitely. And with the doctor side of it, are you seeing any doctors on your side, like, talk and they're probably oh, yeah. not, are they talking with their patients about it? Because I told my pain management doctor I was taking Kratom. He'd never heard of it before, you know? We have, I would say probably 20, 25 different physicians that we work with that they sell Kratom in their offices. Oh, nice. A ton of chiropractors. We actually are in probably 20 pharmacies. That's great. That is great. I think things are really changing because people are looking for alternatives to the current system that are that are less um, damaging to the body. Because that's the one thing I look at when I ingest a substance. Is it safe and to or toxic? You know, Efficacy yeah. is something that I'm going to personally verify when I take it. But as far as the safety profile of Kratom, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, think it's, I think it's perfectly safe. I think it's a perfect little human medicine, the perfect human accompaniment. And I don't, I don't see any problems with with it being used in moderation, right? You know, so like there are some else. there are some examples, and I I've seen them where people can consume a lot of kratom and create their own problems. Mm -hmm. You know, but yeah, I mean that's that's a that's an American's right, I think, to create a problem. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yep, and somebody one, will find something else to help them. One of my friends, you know, I, I'm not going to bring him up, but his wife said something to the effect of, 
you can't tell me that's a non-issue for me. It's like, oh shit, okay. <laughs> You're right. You can you can have a problem with anything you want. That's true. That's your right. <laughs> and, that, and that's something too that I think comes with um, with experience and also the more people I think it, nothing is for everybody. But I personally yeah. really do think it's safe. You know, I'm probably on the higher end of users. I think by I drink tea three to four times a day. I'm not sure if that puts me up there or not. I'm not sure what a, the average user is using. Uh, but you know, I haven't felt anything but positive effects personally, maybe some insomnia. That's the only, that's really the only side effect that I've had. You know, I've pushed it at times, um, over the last couple months, I've, I've had a series of colds. And so I really leaned on creative hard there for about a month. And so I was, I was consuming a bunch and I was consuming extracts and shots. Wow. And I was like, Oof. you know, I, I was leaning on it really hard. I mean, at one at one point in time, I think I this was like a month ago. I had taken seven shots in one day and maybe twenty five capsules. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, I'm I'm up there right now." That's, so, uh, did you have any? Now, what I, I, what I like, what's that? Got to see how taper works. Yeah, I think it's important to. I think self experimentation is a very noble endeavor. Actually, I think that a lot of medicines that we take for granted now, and a lot of medical. Uh, discoveries came from doctors and researchers actually experimenting on themselves. And Absolutely. The, I had a doctor, uh, Professor McCluskey on, she's an economics professor, and she was talking about the Panama Canal and yellow fever. And the researchers actually put their arm, their bare arm, in a box with mosquitoes to prove that mosquitoes transmitted yellow fever. And so there's a huge history of that. And I think the experiment of one is still a very valid, you know, as a form of uh, gaining knowledge. Well, that's, a, that's how the painkiller industry came about, too, where the doctors would experiment on themselves. Yep, ex yep, and LSD, and there's there's a quite a <laughs> the chemists used to do that. They used to shoot themselves up with all kind of stuff, you know. It's a little bit different but now, but... When we're talking about the people that get behind creating, the physicians and the different people that are in, in, in positions where they can have some effect on, the, on public policy, when they consume Kratom themselves, they become one of us. You know, it's like they assimilate into into our world now because they understand there's a there's a, a level of comprehension and participation that comes once you take kratom and and you realize what it's really about. That's a great point because I think the word kratom I don't think that does us any favors the name of it personally because it sounds exotic and scary and I think that, <laughs> I think the media loves those kind of words you know like bath salts or you know what I mean it, it falls into that kind of exotic maybe dangerous, unknown type territory. But at the same time, when you talk about people who take it and become advocates for it, I think Vernon Jones is a perfect example here in Georgia. He's a Georgia yes. legislature, and he really shepherded the entire process, you know, to make sure that um, that he was getting his side told, you know, and he was a he was an advocate, basically. And I think it's important that when people don't understand something, that when they take it, that their perspective can radically change. So when you talk about Vernon, I've known Vernon for quite a few years now, but Vernon and I think Vernon was mayor of a city where Dave Herman was involved and Dave Herman was a businessman, but they, they've got 25 years of history as well. Wow. How about that? It's something about these yeah. connections, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a, the AKA has got a, AKA has such a cool team. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed. And, and again, I support them. 
Dave Herman, even Vernon, I'll throw him in there. Dude, I trust these guys. Mm -hmm. I don't often agree with what they do and say, <laughs> but I trust them. Right. You know, I, exactly. you know I, think, I think the way the GMP program is set up, I think a lot of things could be run better. I think there's, you know, I'm kind of outspoken about my positions, but I trust those guys, honestly. I think that's important because personally, I would like to see zero regulations. That's my take. That's my, as far as a free market libertarian type of guy, laissez-faire capitalist. You know, I'd like to see um, zero regulations, but I think that there's a compromise. We live in a world that is dominated by um, $7 trillion of government money, and that's, those are, they're going to regulate something. So to interject at least our side into that, I think, is important and what AKA is doing on that end. I think the FDA's job is important as well. I mean, they, they protect the consumers. I mean, the idea that... that we have a third world country providing these substances that we're bringing in here. People are breaking it up at their kitchen table and selling it to their friends and family. I mean, the potential for a problem there is huge. There is. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Now, with the FDA, we had a Dr. Mary Ruard on the other day, and she was with the pharmaceutical industry for like 20 years. And she has a theory that, um, that uh, human, like government legislation is a form of human experimentation just because of uh, what she bases on, like the Nuremberg trials. So it's very interesting, very interesting topic. But she talks about the FDA was originally uh, instituted to prevent poisonings, basically, you know, in food yeah. and drugs. In 1962, they started looking at efficacy as well with the Drug Amendment Act. And I think that that has spawned a huge issue with the current drug market. And I think prescription thugs is a great example of, of that world, that umbrella that we live under. And that yeah. Kratom is an alternative to that. Now, with the Kratom, you guys talk about it as a, as a plant supplement. Is that correct? Is that how it's categorized? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Now, are you, what do you think about the legality of Kratom? I know in seven states right now, it's, it's banned. And there's some different counties and cities, lo, you know, local stuff is, is banning it as well. Are you seeing, uh, it seems like it's, the banning is getting ramped up again. That's what it feels like to me, you know, that, that politicians are, you know, they're hearing a little bit more from the FDA. Maybe I'm not sure I'm not in that world, but it seems like there's more and more talk of banning it. It's it's an odd thing for a politician or a legislator to want to hang their hat on banning something. Right. I, I don't you know, it's, it's I don't I don't comprehend it. I don't I don't get what's going on. I don't understand it, honestly. You know, if the idea that. If you're going to consider doing something like that, that that could have some negative effects on people, you why wouldn't you want to explore the whole topic? You know, I, I don't understand. I was you know? I was reading up that they said politicians like easy fights, and so they they think that people who use kratoms, I think it, at at first kratom was viewed as like something that only people with addiction problems were using. I think oh, yeah. that was the general – that's what they were trying to paint that brush. But when the DEA in 2016 moved to Schedule 1, it, they heard from so many normal people you know, that people are using it for many different reasons. Do you see the perception of Kratom really changing in the last few years? Um, yeah, but you, know, you hit it right on the head where Kratom saves the wrong people. You know, you're talking about how popular CBD is, and when CBD – and when the Rick Simpson oil, when that really got approved for children to use in, the, in for seizures, mm -hmm. the efficacy was down around, it was less than 40%. Mm. 
efficacy was so low that it would never pass any other any other trial whatsoever. But you're talking about this was for children that had no other medical options that were having seizures. Give the kids what you know. You got to give the kids. You know now on the other side where you're looking at kratom, you're you're saving addicts. You know that's that's a hard <laughs> sell to the politicians. You know to the yeah. But I think that too that. Um, I think pain patients and, and addicts are in the same boat now, the way they're being treated by the government regulations. And so I think Kratom, for me personally, is very important in helping to break free of the pain management system, which has become very draconian. You know, that you're treated like a criminal if you're in the pain management system. You have to go every month. You have to pee in a cup. It's expensive. It's like being on parole. That's crazy. It that's is so crazy. Nice. That's, that's, if anything's changing, it's, it's where... Now Kratom is encompassing pain as opposed to just the addiction side of things. I would agree you know, with that as well. Yep. I think I think a lot of people got into it with the opioid withdrawal stuff, yeah. you know, when they were taking off the pain pills and that sort of thing. But I do see that you guys are really focusing on the health and wellness market, that I see a lot of your social media posts are about people who are just working out, who want to improve their workouts, who want to improve, you know, their cognitive abilities in the morning, basically, you know, to get, get a head start on the day. Are you seeing your customer base change or is it just adding to your existing base? It's, it's the predominant use that we have as a company and in, in all of our social circles. That's, that's who we interact with. You know, that's, that's kind of our lifestyles. Right. So we're in health and fitness, and, and Kratom fits perfectly there. That's where it belongs. It's a part of a healthy person's lifestyle. Yeah, and I like the idea that you talk about clean Kratom too. So I, like, I think a lot yeah. of people are, are – if they see it at like a gas station or, or the head shop and then they see it in a health food store, I think that will change people's perspective of it as well because I have seen it in health food stores before, and I think that's a that's a, a great push that you guys are doing. What was your response to the Arnold Classic when you guys were out there? I saw that you guys had a booth. And well, we've got, now we've we've been the we're the first creative company to ever be in the Olympia and the Arnold. Nice. Um, the response has been overwhelming. You know, the biggest thing is we have the credentials to get in. You know, we carry product liability insurance. We have all the research. We've done all the homework. And so we can literally sell our product anywhere because we have those credentials. And that's a great point about credentials because I think your documentary, A Leaf of Faith, and the research that you personally, you know, your company has funded really yeah. gives you guys the um, – that's why I trust you personally, you know, because <laughs> Chris Bell, because of his appearance on the Rogan podcast, we were talking about him because of the way you guys do business. Now, are you guys looking to do a sequel to A Leaf of Faith? Oh, yes. Yeah, we're, we're, it's in the works now. Awesome. Is Chris Bell involved? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah, he's he's uh, his prescription thugs, bigger, stronger, faster, are excellent, and so a leaf of faith fits right in there with what he's done before. I mean, Crane's been a key component in his life. I mean, yeah. when we first met him, he was, you know, he was. Uh, I hate to say it, but he was kind of sickly. Right. <laughs> you know, he was sickly. He was taking a couple naps every day. He wasn't working out. Um, Kratom really sparked a lot of things for him that changed his diet. Got got him this new discipline back in life and you know now he's squatting 600 pounds with with two artificial hips it is incredible his story uh, huh. you know about the chronic pain that he was in and then you know with the opioid journey he was on and also with being told take advil and tylenol and how that wasn't working and, and that was terrible and then he found the kratom 
And it was actually a, yes, yes, yesterday was his, his brother's birthday, Mad Dog's birthday that passed away in the film. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. That's a that's a powerful story, you know. Uh, and I think he's a great advocate out there. You Chris know, is awesome, man. Yeah. Chris, he's, he's he's been my hero. I mean, the dude dude could have quit and given up so many times, but you know he perseveres and he does it for because he knows what he does helps other people. You know, yeah, he's just a, he's a good dude. Now, is that why you do what you do? How did you get into kratom, and what is your why for for running your business and doing the things the way that you do it? It's not, it's not a story that I talk about a lot, but um, my dad, when he was getting older, he started having some health issues, and my dad became an addict at 75. Oh, wow. And then passed away of an overdose at 77. Hmm. I'm sorry about that. That's terrible. Well, I mean, it's, it's a typical story. I mean, it's, it's nothing unusual. It happens, it's happening all across America still. Um, and so just seeing that and, and kind of knowing what was happening just – I don't know. You know, we, we've been fortunate where when we first got into the creative business, business was always very good, hmm. you know, and now over the years we've made a ton of money and it, so it only made sense that we put that money back into stuff. So that's why we made a leaf of faith. And when we made a leaf of faith, we also committed every dollar that comes back from that movie is going right back into the science. We're not taking any money out. I mean, we already invested it. Let's, let's reinvest it again. You know, it's just, it's just the right thing to do. You know, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't. I don't understand how people struggle with that issue. I totally agree. We had uh, Daryl Bouchard on with RealSalt.com. You know, he's they're big in like the keto carnivore world, and he was talking about the philosophy behind their business and about how he, they they see business as being a force for good in in the world, and yeah. that it can help. It helps, of course, the owners, but also the employees, customers, and communities. Do you see that as well with your business? How you've used the leaf of faith to really. Because I think a leaf of faith is one of the seminal pieces in keeping Kratom legal. I don't think Kratom would have been legal without it, to be perfectly honest. I agree. I mean, and we kind of, we did struggle with the, the direction we were going to take it because it's like, you know, we got to a couple points where we're like, shit, we're spending, we're getting up close to a million dollars. Wow. You know, we, we need to make this about our company, but that's not the right thing to do. Right. You know, we put enough of our little plugs in and, you know, we used it to promote ourselves. Certainly we did. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I don't understand how people, you know, every everything about our life is about connecting with other humans. That, that's where the real joy, that's where the happiness, that's where all of this stuff comes. You know, if you talk about it, if you talk about it in, in terms of math, if you have a flat plane in one point, it has no value. It doesn't have, a, it doesn't have any value until you establish another point. You know, that's what gives us value in our own lives is the relationships that we have with other people. You know, and, and the more we can do in our own lives to nurture that and help others, well, that's that's where true joy comes from. I would I totally agree on that, and and I think that's why kratom is important in my life because if you're in chronic pain or you have health issues, you know that doesn't just affect the individual; that affects your entire world. Because yes. when you're laid up in bed for a week, you know your social obligations, your social ties are really cut off. And so people who are struggling with chronic pain, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll isolate themselves and then, you know, work suffers, social life suffers, and eventually you go down like a downward spiral. And I think, you know, we like to talk about it in terms of ecology. Yeah, you know, exactly. Whole environment. Yeah. And this even gets back to the idea of plant medicine. I know this is supplement, but as far as the general idea of plant medicine is that it's almost as if certain plants are able to talk to people or able to connect people you know, to the earth and to others in a way, like 
um, I've done some studying on mushrooms and uh, mycelial networks. Those are the, you know, the mushrooms, the mycelial network is underneath and that connects everything that connects the trees and they shuttle around nutrients. And I think that's the same way with like these compounds in kratom and cannabis and different kinds of plants. Well, all these plants we share DNA with. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's in, that's a great point is that we think they're so foreign and external to us that they're really a part of us. Yes, very much so. Yeah, definitely. Well, what, what do you guys have planned coming up? What are, what do you, are you going to be at different conferences coming up? Is there, is there like uh, a Kratom conference for customers and vendors and scientists and doctors and politicians yet? The AK is putting on another Kratom seminar. I think it's here in the next couple months okay. where they brought, you know, last year they brought all the leaders of the community or anyone who wanted to participate to make a difference or become a leader in the industry when we all met in Georgia last year. Oh, nice. So the same thing, it's coming up in the next couple months. It's going to be in Georgia as well. Well, great. Well, hopefully I'll be there. And if you're there, I'd like to I'll keep informed, yes. person. Yeah, that would be great. Definitely. Well, is there any um, new products that you guys are coming out with? I know you got that pomegranate shot. How is it? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't like promoting products, honestly. Oh, you know, I understand. You know, it's, just, it's just not... It, to push a product is not what we're doing here. Gotcha. That's, that's, not it, that's not it at all. Sure. You know, this, this is about a whole movement. You know, we, we want to move the bar, move the whole, the whole industry in a direction. Yep. You know, and consumer safety has to be at the forefront of this. Well, that's great. Well, I appreciate the work that you're doing, Kelly, with the AKA and the, and the way that you run your company and that funding the leaf of faith was so important, I think, in a lot of people's lives because Kratom could have been banned. It was yeah. Schedule 1. DEA had it under their emergency power, and they reversed that. And I think a lot of that has to do with your work and uh, the work of AKA and all the people out there who are, you know, standing up for their rights. What would you suggest people do if they want to keep Kratom legal, if they want to do their part in making sure that everybody has access to that? Get involved with the AKA. Okay. I mean, this money, this this fight takes money. Mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately, that's that's the big, you know, the big rule of thumb here. We need the money. You know, the more people we get involved, the more people that the more people that take Kratom also become passionate. They get involved in this fight, you know, and if we can get the consumers to support you know, or push their vendor even into cleaner Kratom. I don't want to say always support the cleanest Kratom and do all that because it's a little self-serving. But, you know, we need the consumers to be more aware and be more responsible in this and have a part of it, because if they're not being responsible, Kratom may not be around. That's true. If there's another big outbreak or, a, God forbid, something really bad does happen, because a lot of those deaths associated by the FDA, they were uh, tramadol, you know, yes. you know, and then there's other different issues with adulteration. So I think it's important. And what do you guys do as far as testing do, Kelly, to make sure that, you know, your product doesn't have that stuff in it? So, you know, we're in a little unique scenario because we've been doing this for, you know, it's our 11th year. Mm -hmm. So we've got connections that a lot of people may not. But we, our product comes in through, through a company that sanitizes it. And then when it goes to our GMP manufacturer, it's tested twice in the process. Once we receive a final product that shows up in a bottle mm -hmm. with, a, with a stamp and a lot number, we send these off again to be tested for a third-party validation. Oh, excellent. That's great. That's, so, I think that's what people are looking for. They're looking for that, you know, it's really a triple check, I guess, you know, to make sure the product is, is, is I take it myself. 
And I think that's, that is an important part too, is that you take it yourself and that it's something that you feel like it's something that you can share with other people. There's right. a lot of stuff that you, you know, that we take as far as medicine goes, we wouldn't share with other people. You know? <laughs> we definitely wouldn't. But that's, that's a key component of this is that people, you know, it's, it's gotta be part of your life. Yeah. It's gotta be, you know. It is almost a lifestyle if in a way. You know, I think there's a big push like uh, Chris Bell. He's doing like the carnivore diet now. Yes. And I think that Kratom, it allows you to think about other things besides the pain. I've been thinking recently about all the lost productivity and the lost thoughts and the lost connections due to pain out there. Yes. And Kratom is actually helping to make those connections reappear. Agreed. Have, have you started the carnivore? No, I haven't yet. I'm, I'm thinking about it. How about you? Oh, I've, I've been doing it for about a year. Well, really, what it what? Yes. How, how do you feel on it? And you look great. I'm 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 57. Mm -hmm. My waist is smaller than it was in high school. Wow. I mean, I I feel great. I feel great. I've never felt better. And and the thing that you know once you start eating this way is you realize this is the right way to eat. You know, you feel as good after a meal as you did before. See, that's my problem. I never feel good after I eat. You know, I try to not eat. <laughs> When you switch over to carnivore, you start making that association. Right. So, I mean, not that I get off on another topic, but yeah, no, it's, it's been fine. it's been tremendous. And the other thing, it's a, it's an elimination diet. Right. So you're taking out all the stuff that could be contributing to an autoimmune situation, mm -hmm. and then slowly build things back in that you know are going to work for you. Well, that's great because I have autoimmune issues, several of them. <laughs> so that's and Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you follow his yeah, work yeah. or not. Yeah. Yep. He um he talked about that and his daughter as well, Michaela. She yep. had some real severe issues. And what what do you eat on a daily basis? Like what what are your meal choices? Um, you know, like this morning I had bacon, eggs, and avocado. That's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I I could eat that every day. Yeah. You know, yesterday on the way home we were running kind of late, so we went through In and Out and got their Flying Dutchman. You know, just basic patties, patties yeah. with a slice of cheese. I do see Chris Bell. He'll have a he'll have like a tray, <laughs> and it'll just be slammed full of of okay. patties. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, it's, it's, it's the most nutrient-dense food on earth. And I think, too, as far as the other kind of supplements like nutri like minerals and vitamins, a lot of that has to do with our poor diet, right? That people are taking all of that stuff to supplement you know, the, what they're not getting in their diet. Correct, correct. And that's one of the things, if you follow Chris Bell and Dr. Sean Baker, who's kind of the leader of the carnivore movement, mm -hmm. one of the things that happens is because there's, the meat is so – red meat is so nutrient-dense – your body converts it to whatever it needs. Wow, that's that's incredible. And you said you've been doing it for over a year now. Yes. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not as strict. Like I still like you know cream and sugar in my coffee, and you know, so I I cheat a little every day. But it's still the majority is coming from meat. Correct. Correct. You know, I mean, mostly red meat. Do you think that? Uh, I think there's a connection between people who seek out these um, these ideas, not on the fringe, but on the the leading edge. And I think the carnivore diet and I think uh, Kratom really have a lot in common in that way, that it, it's going against the, maybe the traditional conservative wisdom of what we're told how we should behave and actually finding or, solutions that work for people. Or returning to the original solutions, the way, you know, the way, it was, the way we started. That's exactly There's an extra, right. There's excellent book out called uh, Tribe, Sebastian Younger. Okay. It's a, it's a short book, but it talks about our – evolutionary history and the tendencies we have as human beings. Fascinating book. Really fascinating. I'll have to you check know, that in out. Beginning, in the beginning, it talks about how when, when North America was being settled by the white settlers were coming over here and dealing with all the Indians, how there was a huge problem with 
a lot of the white settlers were leaving the white world, coming over and, and joining the Indians and living like Indians because of you know all the benefits of the tribe and just that you know that society was just really fulfilling to the individuals. There was never an Indian that ever left the tribe to come live in the white world. Right. They were, they were, yeah, unfortunately <laughs> it was forced at the barrel of a gun to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a great point about going back because that's what people are doing is they're going back before, um, you know, the, the food pyramid, especially, I think the carnivore diet is important and going back before agriculture really. So that's before yes. 10,000 years ago, the hunter gatherer lifestyle and eating more meat. So that's, I think there is a connection between that. You know, the, uh, are you seeing a lot of customers or people who take Kratom also doing the carnivore? Is there a pretty good crossover? Well, we're, we're involved in the fitness industry. So okay. we see a great deal, but because of that, okay. you know, Chris's brother, we're, we're involved in, we're deeply involved in the fitness industry. So it's yeah, diet and nutrition is a huge part of our, our thing here. And I think that's important too, because that's not talked about, uh, with modern medicine doctors, I think get eight hours of nutrition, um, you know, and, and what they recommend is, you know, that plant-based diet, uh, seed oils and sugar, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a, I think that's where a lot of our issues, uh, come from. Definitely. Well, I think most of them. Yeah. I really, like I was talking about the last 50 years has really been human experimentation on eating a diet. That's not what we're supposed to be eating, but it's profitable. Yes. <laughs> well, that's it. Well, it's, it's important too, that, uh, people are, are able to make money in the Kratom industry. So I'm glad that you guys are, are doing well. Cause I think the better you guys do, the longer that you'll be around and the longer I'll be able to get quality products, you know, that, that have Kratom in it, because I think that's something with profit, I think is important that people understand profit allows for a leaf of faith to be made. Profit allows for the advocacy to be done to take for care of employees. For the science to continue as well. And the science and also maybe to have charity, you know, later on down the road. I think that yeah, all starts we, with that. We've actually formed a leaf, of faith, a leaf of Faith Foundation that we would like to get some of these other companies in to provide creative for the people that are fixed incomes or no incomes. That's fantastic. Well, good deal. Well, uh, let me know on that. We can have a whole episode on that when you start getting people involved and that starts Excellent. to get up and running because I would love to be involved in helping with that as well. Excellent. That sounds great. Well, great, Kelly. Well, I appreciate your time, and I thank everybody for listening today. And Kratom is not for everybody, and everybody should do their own research. But if you're going to try Kratom, the Kratom I use only comes from naturalorganics.com. So thanks, <laughs> Kelly, for, for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Brad. And we really appreciate everything you do, you know, what you do for the industry, and just, just your tireless effort. Thank you. Well, thank you, and thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks.